There's another podcast you should be listening to, TED Health, a podcast from the TED Audio Collective. Join host Dr. Shoshana Ungerleiter as she introduces you to leading health experts and breaks down the health questions you didn't know you had. Learn more about the way your body works and the newest insights changing the medical world, like what a smart bra means for better heart health, three ways to prepare for the next pandemic, and how we can all live healthier lives. Find TED Health wherever you listen to podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Yeah, we didn't. We hadn't started recording it. Really. No, we it's like when you. Uh, it's like when there's an HVAC system on in the background and you don't really pay attention to it. And it doesn't doesn't bother you, and then it turns off, and you go, You're Whoa. Like, "Holy shit! I'm in the I'm in the vacuum of space right now." Yeah. Um. This is this is not, one of not the vacuum of space. It's vacuum of space. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is super exciting right now because. Um, I just like okay. It's very surreal to be st- sitting here recording an episode of our podcast in fucking Los Angeles, California. Yeah, it's cool. We've we've been here for a couple of days. We came down to do some some quote unquote work. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, like that we're not going to disclose <laughs> what any of that is. I, I don't think yeah. you need to put quotes around it, though. It's, it's, it's just work. It, yeah, yeah, work. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been such a treat to be down here. It's so beautiful. Um, and and we 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 knew we were going to be down here. We knew we wanted to set up a few interviews while we were. And by uh, the good grace of all things holy. Our good pal Joe Comer, uh, uh, yoga extraordinaire. God, we got to see yoga Joe, extraordinaire. Man. Thank you, Joe. Uh, uh-huh. Hooked us up with our new friend, Derek. Hello. Hey, guys. How you doing? <laughs> Great. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, thank you for, for coming out. You, you came all the way over from West Hollywood. Not all the way over. I mean, LA is fucking big, dude. It's big. It was LA, a little trick. LA is really big because I'm more it's used to... Sprawl. I'm more used to like Toronto, New York... Where you know getting an Uber everywhere is no big deal, or walking a lot of places is no big deal. You don't walk here. If you are walking here, <clears throat> people will stop their car and just be like, "Are you okay?" Yeah, I walk. <laughs> I'm a pedestrian most of the time, and people always think it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Walk two blocks. Wow. <laughs> I haven't seen yeah. anybody walking. Like it is. It is a ghost town on the sidewalks. Do you <laughs> do you ever uh, use the scooters? Do you ever scoot around? No, I hate them. Oh, really? Oh, dude, I, I think it seems fun to use, but as a pedestrian, I'm always dodging them. Yeah, right. So yeah, just I, just get, get like it. get real intimate with that mic. Yeah, okay. just pull it. Yeah, <laughs> right up in your just mouth. Do it like, this. like, yeah, basically, yeah. just like swallow it, uh, <laughs> but borderline. Um, uh, well, I'm glad you came out. And this is the, there's another part of this that makes this very exciting for me. And and I would say maybe exciting is a, a word we could use for you, but. I know that you're here to talk about, uh, why, why don't you tell us what you're here to talk about? I'm here to talk about being HIV positive. And not only that, but you're also here to talk about that. And, and you, you were just saying earlier before we started recording that you're a little bit nervous because this is not something that you really have disclosed very much in your personal life. No, I am 34 now and I've 
been HIV positive since I was 23, so 2008. Whoa. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, many people in my life know, but it's still not something that I talk about frequently. And if, obviously, there, there are lots of people that do not know. Mm. Right. Okay. Interesting. That's, I find that so fascinating that uh, something that like obviously is such a huge part of your life, um, yet it's not something that is like constantly talked about. Um, which is, you know, clearly why we do what we're doing here. If, if, um, if I can ask, like, why, what makes you want to talk about it, um, or have a conversation with us about it and record it and, and have it be on a podcast like this? Well, there's a lot of stigma still surrounding HIV. There's a lot of um, misconceptions about it. People don't really know a lot about it. It's getting better now. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I mean. I moved to LA in 2011, and as far as dating and sex and all of that goes while being HIV positive, you wouldn't believe all of the changes I've seen in just that short time. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely getting better, but there are still many people, um, especially in the straight community, that don't really understand it. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. From from our perspective, I'm I'm really excited to have this conversation because we we covered. Um, we did an episode on HIV, like a long, like re- kind of early, in, early days, like relative to where we are yeah. now. It was early days um, with us, and it was, it was a. I, I'm I, I would say, and you guys would probably agree with me that it was a bit of a fringe story. It was. It was not. Is you know what it was? It was not a story that I think was representative was, of. I don't think it was very. Um, it was a story that needed to be told, but I don't think it was a story that was fair for. Uh, um, a lot of other people who actually live with HIV, and and uh, you know, it was a, it was basically a scenario where it was mostly what we talked about was it was this uh, this guy named Ricky who who basically was HIV positive, and he was having a lot of um, he was having a lot of sex in in Toronto, but not disclosing the fact that he was HIV positive. A lot of unprotected sex. A lot of unprotected sex, yeah. and okay. like, and like, it, it, you know, we it opened up a whole conversation into the, like the subculture of like gift givers and and bug chasers and like shit that we were like, what the fuck? What it? Yeah, this we had, is a yeah, we thing. Had no yeah, idea. that's but definitely it, a thing. But yeah, it, but yeah, it's, which is so fascinating. You but, know, it's, but for it, us, just being just being <clears> the just being able to cover it again because after we recorded that episode we got a lot of people that were like hey that's that's not in my experience that's 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 very far from like the average yeah. the average experience of somebody who's going who has who has <laughs> HIV and what their experience is and request to to do another episode on it like yeah. right away yeah. and we never got around, we never got back to it so i'm really excited to to dive into it again awesome i'm happy i can hopefully help shed some light on it yeah, yeah totally Thanks. so so how long ago did you say you got it again it, it, it 2008 2008 okay. and i know the exact time frame too because that year i actually got a full std screening in april and everything was negative and then in July, I went back and got another test, and I wasn't even intending to get an HIV test. I was going just for a regular STD screening. And in fact, I remember the nurse asked, should we do an HIV test while you're here? And I said, no, that's okay. I just had one a couple of months ago. So that was included in the full, like, a couple of months in April? Correct. Yeah. And she's like, well, while you're here, you should just go ahead and do it. And I thought, why not? Wasn't even worried about it. Whoa. So how, how many um, how many sexual partners would you say that you had between like April and June or July? Not that many. 
I mean, I was 23, so obviously it was a fun time. Yeah. <laughs> but not that many, probably like three, two or three maybe. Okay, so so you you end up getting the test, and how what's the what's the turnaround of finding out? For, well, when I went back in July and I got all of the tests, I remember she slowly she was like chlamydia negative, gonorrhea negative, and I started to think, God, why isn't she saying HIV? And then the very last, she was flipping over papers, and the very last sheet that she turned over said HIV reactive. Oh, and it shocked the hell out of me. Yeah. I didn't expect that whatsoever. But then it immediately clicked that this was at the end of July. In early July, I had a 105 fever. The inside of my mouth looked like its own ecosystem. Like it was disgusting, like crazy. Yeah. But I still didn't. I mean, it was 2008. I still didn't think HIV when I got sick. I just thought I had, I don't know, like a crazy flu or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were what, you, what did you like? What do you remember the? Like this, the the sensation of of what it was like to find out. You know, do you remember? Yes, I can. Rec- it's hard to put into words, but I can recall the feeling as soon as you asked that question. I felt it, panic, mm. thought I was dying, and it was West Virginia where I found out. So I believe the nurse even had a Bible in the room. Holy yeah, fuck wow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they sent. I mean, they sent me home right after I found out in tears and I drove wow. to my friend's house. And I don't think that would happen here in Los Angeles. Right. right. Yeah. Well, also driving in Los Angeles is just fucking hazardous <laughs> right. in general. What, so. what do they say? Like uh, immediately once they give you that diagnosis, like is, is there like a, Hey, we're going to have to have a follow up. There's like going to be this information provided. Yeah, like, or what are the how resources? does that work? Like what do they offer you? Well, it's hard to recall exactly just because it was so long ago and I've dealt with this for so long. Okay. But there's definitely a follow-up. You see a doctor, they um, do blood tests to determine how, you know, how much of the virus is inside your body. Um, they do tests to determine which medications you may be resistant to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things like that. And they help decide what medication would be best for you. Now, okay, so... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um a few months back, maybe it was like about a year ago. Um, I I had I had I I was in a threesome, and and then like a few like a month or two after we, we had the threesome, the 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 young woman who we had engaged in with this this with, she called both of us and had said she was like I have to tell you, I just found out I have I have chlamydia. And so we were like, oh, fuck. So we had to like go get tested. We were safe. We were in the clear. And, and it made me think, like, was that her, like, was that her choice to call us and tell, like, like disclose that to us? Or was she obligated to by, by law? Or, which I don't really know. But in, in your case with the HIV, like, were you, was that something that, a discussion that you had to have with your past partners or, or even with, like, your, you know, your, your medical team? Yes, I do remember they asked me for names and phone numbers of partners. Oh, wow. And I, of course, provided that, and I contacted someone also myself. But they gave me the option of having them contact because they can do it anonymously. They don't say who the person was. They just say, you may have been exposed to HIV. We believe you need to come in and get a test. Right. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you ever figure out where, how you may have gotten it? <clears throat> uh, yeah, I just got it from risky behavior and not... Got it. Yeah, not taking care of myself. Yeah. But now I do want to say this is one of the reasons I was excited to come here. 
this is something that people with HIV have known for a long time. And people in Europe have also known for a long time. But the U.S., I don't know how it is in Canada, but the U.S. has finally gotten around to saying it. As of, I believe, 2017, the CDC has said people with undetectable viral loads, which means when you're on medication and you're healthy and the virus is kept really low in Mm -hmm. your body, Mm -hmm. you cannot transmit HIV to someone. That's right. It's almost impossible. (coughs) And in addition to that, there's PrEP now. Are you familiar with PrEP? Uh, yeah, it's the medication that, uh, that, uh, yes. fill, fill me in. It's like a it's, preventative medication. It's a, exactly. It's basically right. a preventative HIV medication for people that don't have it. Okay. And oh, wow. they take that's it. It's pretty crazy. Like, I mean, that, that, that's borderline. I mean, you, I don't think you can technically say, but like that's borderline cure. You know what I mean? Like, like have, sure. being able to bring the viral load down to, to an undetectable amount or, or an unspreadable amount and to have a medication that's like that's yeah. preventative, like that's as close as you'll get without being without without using the actual word cure. Like that's as close as you're gonna fucking get, and that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, even without being on prep, if someone is undetectable, you're not. You still can't. I mean, I, I I don't want to say you can't, right? Because you, right. I I don't know, but it's <laughs> almost impossible to get it. And yeah. and, and, and 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 I, I believe you do not have to disclose that you have it. I believe, but like I, I'm almost positive that I've heard that if you are that low, you're not you're not obligated to actually disclose that you have HIV. That is a tricky subject. Oh, is just, it? Okay. Just because um, there were a lot of discriminatory policies put in place, I believe, mm-hmm. by Ronald Reagan. I could be wrong. Sorry if I am. <laughs> Probably Reagan or Bush, I would imagine. I think it was one of them, and some of those outdated laws are still in effect in certain states. I don't really hear about them being enforced that often. Mm. But in places like California, I know, I think anyway, you don't have to disclose unless you're having unprotected sex. Right. I disclose, um, even though I know it's not a physical risk for someone, I just personally disclose because it's too much of a mental and emotional burden to bear. And and you know, like, it's, it, it is, it is, it is a, it is a thing with such a history of fear Mm. And I mean, I was, I was just watching uh, Bohemian Rhapsody on the on the plane the other day, and it was you know, excellent with Freddie Mercury, and like, and that being like a central theme, you know, in the latter half of the movie, and and being reminded of of how people think about that at, at that time, and how far it's come now, but is still heavily stigmatized. And I wonder to myself, like, will in in fifty years from now. Will we think of HIV the same way as we think of like getting the flu? It's like, well, you just get the flu shot and like then mm. you don't get the flu. Or if you get the flu and you're, you know, between a certain age, like it really doesn't fucking matter. It's like, I'm sure with time we'll get there. But like it, I think it takes a long, long, long time to like to to un unstick the the like the yeah the, well the, historically the, it's still very fresh it's right it's it's only it's only yeah. 20 years ago that 20 years ago was a massive difference in how we in how it was treated and like i mean there was no one walking around saying dude it was so bad it was so bad that people who who were who identify as homosexual can't couldn't and maybe still can't and a lot of places donate blood still can't that's fucking crazy yeah it's so crazy and discriminatory and that really pisses me off that yeah. is absolutely bananas yeah. 
I didn't even know that we had um we uh, not long ago Brian put up on our story like hey we're gonna go give some blood um you know go to your local uh, blood services and and donate today <clears throat> and somebody chimed in and was like hey love this <clears throat> just want to throw this out there I'm gay I can't give blood and this is you know a policy from where whenever so wait is that a policy be- like like Canada wide yeah it's in Canada yeah, yeah. It's, you know oh, what though it's Canada it's, too whoa it's, it's I didn't a, even know wow. that you know what though there there's an extensive um, amount of questions that you have to go through before you're able to donate blood and like there are a ton of things a ton of reasons I don't know I don't know we should have somebody on to speak um, more specifically to this because like. They must have those policies and procedures. I think the I think the one specifically about um, uh, donating blood if you're engaging in in like homosexual activity, like that's um, I think that that's just dated. But there are a lot of reasons well, yeah. that are that are can, like like I'm not gay. I can go get HIV if I I can have HIV. So right? Like, yeah, yeah. So there's yeah, no yeah, fucking. Exactly. So there's yeah. no fucking. <clears throat> I think it's just that it's an increased risk, and I think that they they're obviously scanning all of like they're trying to scan the blood as best as they can, but they just want to try to prevent spreading infection, right? Right, but like, hold on, it, when we this is the, and we're going down a little bit of a, a rabbit hole here, but uh, when you I, I can't donate blood, I don't think because of my CF, but you've donated blood, right, Brian? Yeah. Okay, so when you go in to donate blood, do they have to test your blood before you can donate it? They don't test it before, but I imagine that they test it after you donate it. So then, what the fuck's the issue? Discrimination. I don't know. I, just, but, just, ha- just take the blood, test but, it, and but, if it no, I wouldn't say that because there's questions like, have you traveled to X country in the last six months? You know, right, and if you have, right. then you're not allowed to donate blood. Right. But that doesn't mean that they're not screening your blood. I don't know what the reason is. I know what you're saying. I know what you're not, saying. They're not being discriminatory, discriminatory against traveling to those countries specifically. They're just saying there's an increase. There's an increase risk, in, in Ebola right? in Libya or wherever. Yeah, and so not in Libya. The, well, <laughs> wherever, wherever, wherever Ebola was bad. But but again, like <laughs> sorry, I said not, I meant Liberia. I think uh, not Libya. It, it, it's it, look. Don't say it wasn't in Liberia. It fucking was for sure. I, I, just, I, I just know Sierra Leone for sure. <laughs> That's all. You know, I conceptually, know. we can talk. We could discuss this and say it's unfair but also there's a lot of reasons why they do the things that they do that n- the f- the four of us aren't educated on totally so but I'll, it's it's right. about mitigating risk primarily right, i'm so, going to right. say though that if the blood is tested <clears throat> there's no risk but then then why wouldn't they just let everybody donate bureaucracy brian i think i i think i know what's happening here you don't like gay people I felt that for you right away. Like, okay, okay. I just get this vibe from you. I've been actually, I've been actually thinking it for a while, and I didn't yeah. want to say anything. Yeah, you know, guys. I don't know. Right, yeah. I do understand the points that you're making, but considering, at least in this country, all of the discriminatory policies that I mentioned. I think it's bullshit. Yeah. yeah. yeah and yeah. and I agree with you. I, I totally agree with you. I'm just saying that You're I'm sure there's advocate. more to it than what we actually know. So we can't really speak sure, to maybe. it from, sure, maybe. from an educated yeah. perspective. It yeah. would be good but, to have but plenty, also we, somebody on who knows more. It, absolutely. It's yeah. Not a, yeah, that's a fair thing to but say. Also, but also to, to come back to Taylor's point, and I do think this is important to discuss, coming back to your point, in like how long do you think it will take till we get to a point where we look at this thing and go, oh, well, it's just like the flu. Well, look at you know, look at the the, the war on drugs and and how long it's taken uh, for for us to wrap our heads around the idea of, of of marijuana not being this like fucking ultra bad thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like like when I was in, in 
in my own lifetime, when I was in high school. Fry your brain. Yeah, dude, fry your brain. Like, that, like you know, shit that just is, if you look back at now, you go, what the fuck? That it was, was equated crazy. with heroin and all of the other yeah, really hard yeah, drugs. exactly, exactly. So, so maybe you're, it, it probably is a dated thing. But so, but so, for example, another thing on that list is if, you, if you've had a tattoo in the last six months, you right. can't donate blood. Right. And, you know, most right, tattoo shops. Of, <clears throat> and, I, think, I think our, I, I want to leave this alone. But <laughs> I want to beat a dead horse. But, Let's really stay on no, this and, and really delve into there, it for the next half there hour. There are reasons for everything. And we're saying that possibly this is just not one of those things and that I'm, needs and to I, be there. And I agreed, to, I, I agreed with that right okay, away. Perfect. I was just saying that there's more. All right. uh, a question that I a question that I had when when you mentioned that this all went down in, in West Virginia is yes. okay we as as Canadians our our understanding of West Virginia is backwards basic, as fuck is basically like um uh what's the movie with John Void not Divergence. Oh, deliverance! That's like our idea of West Virginia. Like we yeah. know nothing. It's just it's just film and that's stereotypes. Right. That's right. Every single Canadian, when they hear West Virginia, they puck, they tighten up their butthole, and they think they're going to get shot going down a river. Every single one of us, dude. I bet. I bet. I bet most Canadians have some have some idea of that in their head. And 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 I've been to West Virginia. And? and and that's basically it. <laughs> and uh, man, I got the fuck out of there as soon as I could. No, no, I actually thought I, I do have to say this. It's yeah. one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. It is a beautiful state. There are many wonderful, loving, intelligent people there. Yeah. No disrespect to those people, but it is very backwards. And a lot mm. of those perceptions you just mentioned are not entirely wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I fled to in a way, if I did not have HIV, I wouldn't be in California. Because I came here after I found out, I knew that I could not stay in West Virginia as an HIV positive man. So that was my that was my, that was that was kind of the question I was leading into, like how how did you feel as a gay man in West Virginia, and then being HIV positive? Mm. Obviously, not that great because it made you need to feel like you needed to leave. I did. I was. On, I found out in July of two thousand eight. And I moved first to San Francisco, I believe, in January of two thousand nine. So I was only there for a few months, and I, I fled right away. Yeah. What, a, what a drastic change. What was the feeling? The mountains of West Virginia to the, the well, these steep hills of, of San Francisco. It was amazing because I left the Bible Belt, went to San Francisco, which was just like another world for me. Yeah. And it was when, I will never forget, I had just moved to San Francisco, and I watched President Obama's inauguration at my friend's apartment. Whoa. And it's one of the most magical memories I have. Yeah, no doubt. Was, is there is there more access, or was there more access to resources in San Francisco than in West Virginia? Oh God, worlds more. And LA like, what too. types what types of things are 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 different um, comparatively between those two states? Well, first of all, obviously in San Francisco and LA, the gay community is huge. Mm-hmm. Right. There were people that were open about it, even in two thousand nine when I went to San Francisco. I remember how many, I remember crying and being emotional. I have HIV and so many people were like, yeah, me too. So what? You're going to be fine. Yeah. And it was, I can't even explain that feeling. Did did that like, did that totally morph your perception of what HIV was? Yes. I knew that I could have a normal life, but I didn't know until probably somewhat recently how normal it could be. Mm -hmm. When I first found out, I thought I was never going to have sex again. Mm. I thought that I would never have a relationship again. I thought that I was going to die, get sick and die, you know, within a few years. 
Obviously, that did not happen, which yeah. is awesome. <laughs> and, and just so just so yeah. people know, like just so people know, why is it that none of those fears that you had, why are why are none of those well founded? Like, why? What are the reasons why you can't have sex and you can't have these normal lives? Because I think there are a lot of people out there that even now would think that if they had HIV, they wouldn't be able to. They they would have all the same fears. Well, it's just like I mentioned before when you're on medication. And the amount of the virus is reduced. I believe it's under 50 copies is considered undetectable, which means it's not even detected in a test. Right. Um, you can have sex and it won't be transmitted. And most people now, in the gay community anyway, know that. Yeah. Every now and then I meet someone that's still, still scared of it and a little hesitant, but that's why I like to put it out there. If there's any fear whatsoever or if someone is not... If... If someone is uncomfortable, I'm not going there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, what type of uh, <laughs> medication do you have to take to keep your viral load down? Because um, one of the things that came up in the conversation with uh, oh, yeah. our, our last... With Ricky. Yes, Ricky, who spoke about HIV, uh, was that he he didn't necessarily believe in taking the pharmaceutical medication that was available, and he wanted to try these alternative natural remedies um, he was choosing just to take St. James Wort and not take the meds that drop his viral load. Okay, I don't want to speak about someone else's choices, I, no, but speak about your my you experience, experience is I definitely try to live a healthy lifestyle. I watch what I eat for the most part. I practice yoga regularly and exercise. I try to get good sleep, do things that make me happy. But the medication for me is important. Mm-hmm. I do, of course, think about the long-term effects of swallowing a pill mm-hmm. for every day for the rest of my life. It's just one pill. I take it at night before bed. Um, but, but it's like you weigh the, the pros and cons of that. It's like, okay, well, what are the long-term effects of the pill versus keeping this viral load down and keeping me alive? Exactly. Or- and the long-term, effect, the long-term effects of the pill... the the first thing that doctors and medical people seem to immediately go, go towards is kidney and liver. But they test my blood every three months anyway. I go to the doctor every three months. And when they conduct those tests to determine my viral load and my T-cell count and all of that stuff, they're also checking my liver and kidneys to make sure the medication is not harming them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, with, with taking a medication like that, is that something that's covered by your insurance or do you have to pay out of pocket for it? If I paid out of pocket for it, I would be, I think I swallow around $60 a night. Okay. So thankfully, one of the reasons that I am here is California and Los Angeles, there's a lot of help with that. What what kind of help? Is it like, is it sort of... um, It's income-based. Okay, okay. Some people get it completely for free, others reduced. I don't remember the cap for what your income has to be, but I swear I heard one time that even people who make... I don't want to say the amount, but it was a good amount of money mm-hmm. still get reduced or free because the medications are so expensive. Mm-hmm. Well, 60 bucks was a $60 pill. That's a crazy... That's was, a it, crazy. was it HIV meds that Martin Screlly yeah. no, was, uh, was... No, no, no. It was, oh, it, it was. Was, was yeah. it? Oh, I thought it was, it was. a diabetic med- no. medication. No, that, was something, that was someone else. I know mm-hmm. what you're referring... You're referring to the pen, right? Yeah, 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 right. It was the... Yeah, it was... It were like EpiPens or something. Yeah, yeah. And he may have had some involvement with that, I don't know, but I do know that he definitely was the HIV meds was yeah. a thing. God, he's a wild he's a wild cat. 
Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Martin Scarelli. He's a what he, what he's, he, he's weird. What did he do? I mean, like, he, like he, you know, he's clearly an asshole and like what did he do fucking again? diabolical, but also he's just super weird. He, he bought bought he the bought, company and jacked up the price. Like, well, he yeah, he did that, and then he and then and then I don't know. He was doing a bunch of weird shit online, and then he bought the uh, the Wu Tang album. Like they, they they produced this like album that was like made only of gold, and they only released one of them, and they sold it for like. I don't know, something crazy like $7 million. And he was like, I'm going to buy it. And then he bought it. And then I think he's in jail now, though. I think he <laughs> yeah, is. He's I, in jail. I hope he, he's in jail. He is. Yeah, he got seven years. Great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's holding up real fucking well <laughs> where he's at right now. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I was like, where are you going with this, Brian? I had about 10 really bad jokes on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not giving him that attention. I did I did too, and then I, refer, I refrained from saying I feel good about that. Oh, my God. Um, what, you know, you, you come over from West Virginia, and and you you clearly you, you find yourself in a, in a space that's much more supportive, much more um, hopeful, much more... Um, you know, uh, optimistic in terms of of the overall scenario. Um, has, since you've been here, has has there been has there been? I mean, like it, it it it's we're we're getting this. You know, twenty seven minutes into your story, and it's like, oh, sweet, you came here. It's like everything's all good. But like, were there were there times that were really rough? Uh, when are you just in general? Yeah, in general, like since you've been on the West Coast. You know, like what, what kinds of challenges have you faced, even though you've come to a place that is really, really supportive and is really, you know, really helpful? Well, I still deal with the mental and emotional challenges of having HIV, mm. even though it is a lot better. And first of all, I also want to say I'm almost never sick. And when I am sick, it's not related to my HIV. In the beginning, every time I would get a cold, I thought, oh, God, it's because I have HIV. No, I just get a cold like everyone else does. Yeah. Mm. I have friends that I think have perfectly fine immune systems that are sick way more frequently than I am. Do you have to be careful with that? Like if you get sick, are you, um, are you more susceptible to, to that sickness turning into something greater? I, like, I like mean, it, I guess I could be, but mm-hmm. not really. Like are you an immunosuppressed or anything like that? No, my immune system is fine. Of course it's in the back of my mind. I mean, <clears throat> anytime I get sick, I worry. But for the most part, it doesn't really affect my life I, mm. as in terms of physical illness. I don't get sick very often. Mm-hmm. Is, um, is having HIV a, is that, does that give you a short, shorter life expectancy? When you're on medication and undetectable, no. Okay. Wow. And on that, on that, so on that so note, great. on that note, and cause I know this was a big thing. This is a, this was a big learning for me because when, when not, not recently, it was probably, I can't remember when, over five years ago, probably when someone said that HIV and AIDS are different. Yes. I, there was a point in my life where I didn't know that, that those two things were synonymous. What, what is for people who don't, who Ooh. don't know this and don't know the difference between the two, what is it? So I, first of all, I listened to your story mm-hmm. about your CF mm-hmm. and I remember you said you're not very comfortable talking about the science of it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not really either with HIV, even though it's something I've had for a long time. And I understand I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, and I'm sure a lot of people would want to correct me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but HIV is the virus that turns into AIDS. Right. AIDS is when your HIV virus 
reduces your T cell count to a certain point. I think it's under 200 T cells. It's technically considered you have AIDS. Mm -hmm. 250 or 200, something like that. But my T cells are currently and have been since I've had this in the normal range. And it's, and it's, and it's AIDS that kills people. Yes, but I also want to say there are many, many people whose T cells have fallen to technically the AIDS range that are still healthy and fine. Oh, really? Oh, wow. It just, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe it just means your T cells at one point have fallen to that number. Oh, okay. So they can recover. So they can recover. Do you th- do you know? And again, I don't want to push you too yeah. much on science because I don't know either. Well, I, if if I'm correct, I I believe once they've reached that number, they still, by definition, have AIDS. Mm-hmm. But they can recover and still be healthy. And I think they can. I think the number can go back up. Oh, okay. But they would still have it. It right. says here AIDS. Uh, a person who has been affected by the human immunodeficiency virus HIV is diagnosed as having AIDS after developing one of the illnesses that the Centers for Disease Control has identified as an indicator of AIDS. So, I'm, I'm, which I'm thinking are, there's there might be more than one. Um, because it says illnesses. An HIV-positive person who has not had any serious illnesses also can receive an AIDS diagnosis based on certain blood tests. And in quotations, they have CD4 plus counts. That's the T-cells. Okay. So when HIV weakens the immune system, opportunistic infections can take advantage of this weakened state and cause illness. Opportunistic infections include... Kaposi's sarcoma and pneumocystis pneumonia. Mm. Many of these illnesses are readily controlled by a healthy immune system. Having been affected with HIV, being HIV positive, and having HIV antibodies in the blood is not the same thing as having AIDS. Um, it, oh, HIV progresses to AIDS when an HIV-infected individual's CD4 T cell count drops below 200 cells, so you're right. And or an HIV infected individual develops an illness that is very unusual in someone who who is not HIV positive. Okay, yeah, so semi clear. So <laughs> did um did Magic Johnson has AIDS? Correct. Oh, I think HIV. He just says HIV. I believe. Okay. I was going to say, he's I don't know been, that. He, that guy's been alive forever. And there are so many yeah. crazy rumors about him just because of his celebrity. I don't know what's true and what's not regarding his health. Well, he became very much like... I believe he's post- a clone, is he not? That's what I heard. Magic asked. Johnson is a clone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just walking around here. Actually, if you speak to him, he won't respond. Yeah, that's right. He actually doesn't speak. Um, well, he, he, I feel like he became sort of a, a poster boy for, um, for like the success of, of treatment. Definitely, and... To be a straight man mm-hmm. and have that at that time, I think was really profound for a lot of people and yeah. eye opening. Yeah. Well, I mean, I imagine way back. I mean, if you've seen Dallas Buyers Club, like there's that scene where uh, Matthew McConaughey is in the doctor uh, doctor's office, and the doctor's basically going like, "Hey, listen, I don't know how you know you have HIV. I don't know. I don't know how you got it. Whether you got it from I don't know." And Matthew McConaughey is just like freaking out because he's thinking that the doctor's insinuating that he's gay. And like how how intense of a how intense of a reaction that was in whatever year that took place, like nineteen ninety or nineteen ninety one or whatever it was, just like that, <clears throat> the 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 climate of of that time and how if if you were getting that diagnosis, then it was a death sentence mm-hmm. for a lot of for a lot of people. For a lot of people, it was, and it would have been terrifying. I have a friend here in L.A. 
who received his HIV diagnosis in the early 80s. Whoa. And he's still healthy and working, wow. and you would never know. Yeah. yeah well, there was, he's taking the same taking, meds that... <clears throat> but that, or, he was or, a lucky a lucky case. I think many, if not most people in that time that found out that news didn't have such a happy outcome. Sick Boy Podcast will be right back after this word from our sponsors. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts kind of going back to um after you received your diagnosis and um came to la was your coming from west virginia to la was it motivated by the positives of coming out here or was it motivated by the negatives of where you were both okay and definitely from from being in from so we've we kind of touched a lot on like why this why being in california and in la is really big upside from the treatment and like the availability of, of support and just a way larger gay community. That's way more understanding. Um, what were the, what were the negative sides of being where you were? Like how did it, what, what is that? What did that place? How did that make you feel in West Virginia? Yeah. Well, I wasn't there very long having HIV, Mm -hmm. but I can speak to before that, especially it's just a very conservative religious Everyone's can everyone's religious there. Even if they're not religious, they are by culture. Yeah. Okay. It's ingrained. And again, not all religious people, not all Christian people believe or feel the same way, but many people there do. Right. Ooh. And I mean, this is getting a little personal, but when I came out, I came out to my dad as gay in a fight when I was 16, which is the number one thing they say you're not supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't but just I, like, don't be yelling and then go, hey, I'm gay. Yes, <laughs> and that's what I did. And take that. That's actually exactly what I did. Uh, well, how did he react? He told me that I was going to, quote, get AIDS. So a whoa, few years whoa. later, when I found out that I was HIV positive, I was terrified to tell him for like, I didn't tell my parents for a year. What was it like when you did tell them? It was not the reaction that I anticipated. I thought my dad was going to say, I told you so. My, growing up, I, first of all, I love my dad, but growing up, we fought and were like oil and water. We just did not get along very well. Mm-hmm. Much Since I've lived in California, our relationship has improved drastically. <laughs> um, when, I told my, when I told my dad, I really don't remember his reaction. I kind of think maybe my mom told him. I really don't remember telling him, but Ooh. I know he knows. Mm-hmm. My mom, I thought, was going to be hysterical and crying, and I thought it was going to break my heart that I heard my mother crying, thinking that her son was dying. But she didn't. I just remember she she asked if I was going to the doctor, and I said, yes, I'm on medication. And she said, good, you know, keep, make sure you stay on that. Ooh. Both of my parents, they, they still don't really ask about my health very much, but I know they wonder about it. So I keep them updated and just let them know, Hey, I'm fine. Every few months I just say, I went to the doctor, everything's still good because I know they, I know they wonder and they worry, mm-hmm. but they're not that comfortable Ooh. asking about it. Are there things that you would like to say the, to them that you feel like 
you haven't had the opportunity to say? I've had the opportunity to say lots of things to them, but there are lots of things they either won't understand or won't hear. I don't really know how else to put that. Mm. Yeah, and is that based in sort of the 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 culture of of where you're from? It is definitely. As far as being gay, they're much more accepting with that. They've they knew about obviously my last two relationships. They mm. asked questions about them. They were sort of involved with that, but. The HIV thing, even for me, is still an awkward thing to talk about with my parents. Mm. Even though I know it's fine, they haven't lived, they don't know, other than me, they don't know any HIV positive people. They haven't lived in, they've lived in West Virginia their whole lives. They've traveled a little, but they haven't had the experiences that I've had and they they don't understand a lot of it. Is it it that like when you go to speak to them or bring up the subject that you just feel like they kind of close down and don't want to, they don't ask any follow-up questions or don't engage? They don't ask questions. I will say say something that I think for sure will get a few questions and it's just kind of crickets. Yeah. The people who you have spoken to, like in your close circle, the, uh, the people... Um, that you first felt comfortable opening up to, um, what what were those conversations like? Do you remember telling like your best friends, for example? I do. One of the first people, if not the first person, I told was my cousin Connie. She's a nurse, and I knew that Connie was an empathetic, good, intelligent person, and with her nurse knowledge and experience, that she would be understanding, and she was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't really remember much of what she said to me, but she was very supportive and offered tips and made sure that I was taking care of myself. Is part of that, is part of that, um, that, you know, when you say something that you think is going to provoke a few questions, uh, from, from your parents, but, but you get crickets, is that because you say they're really, they, they were, they were really supportive of you and you have, uh, of when you came out or in your relationship after that, after that, yes. Um, like is is that is that lack of um of inquiry do you think that that that's rooted in in in, in sort of maybe like a, a discomfort or or the the association that HIV has with homosexuality yes instead be, instead of instead of just like a disease that they don't understand absolutely i wouldn't i don't think i would have found the words for that but you put that perfectly that sums up how I feel when it's mentioned. It's definitely the discomfort that's rooted in their son being gay. Right. right. Because like I said, my dad told me when I came out that this will happen. He said AIDS, but Yeah. I don't want to be like I I don't want to feel like I'm a I'm have you laying down and I'm just like totally therapisting you. No, it's okay. um, (laughs) Therapizing. Therapizing. It feels good to talk about, so ask away. I just wonder I just wonder if I just wonder if your dad carries that memory of saying that and if there's like a huge guilt inside him for saying for saying that i hope there's not a guilt in my dad because i don't want him to carry that yeah i've released most of my anger towards him and i love him very much and i know in my heart that my dad is sorry for a lot of things he's never said it and he doesn't have to i know it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i just and 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 i mean i i hope that I hope that anybody who carries that association with homosexuality, like the, the association that HIV has with homosexuality, I mean, you know, Brian, who was I talking about this with the other day? I think it was Kyla. Um, for some reason, we were, we, she, she asked me, she said, why is it, why is there uh, 
this heavy association with HIV and homosexuality. And I didn't know, and she kind of looked it up. It has something to do with it has something to do with anal sex being being uh, being um, uh, easier to transmit. Something in that. That's a very like broad stroke thing to say, but it has something to do with that. It's pretty. It's pretty accurate too, from what I understand. Yeah, and, the tissue is is much more apt to to tearing, and right. it's you know it's it's blood. It, can be transmitted through blood and right, but that but but in this but in the same breath that everybody that anybody is anybody can get HIV doesn't matter your sexual orientation. Dude, you can get HIV so, from putting fucking drugs up your nose. Exactly. You can get HIV from so getting a tattoo in a in a in a, a, a bad place. You can mm-hmm. and in some parts of the world, <laughs> HIV is more common in women in the straight community. Yeah. yeah, it's really only in this country and probably Canada and. Some of most of North America that associate it with homosexuality. Yeah, like ask some people, they'll think they'll tell you that that it, maybe it's the government trying to you know eradicate defi- the, the country of gays. <laughs> there's definitely there are some people I that think, think that Alex Jones might hold that opinion. I, I think he does. I was going to say I, that that sounded like an Infowars headline. <laughs> okay, I don't believe that, but I do believe that there are people within the United States government that would like to prevent people like me from getting their medication. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I would and that I is, wouldn't doubt that. And again, I said I wasn't going to go down this rabbit hole, but I just want to quickly say this administration angers and terrifies me just with on the HIV subject like no other. Mm. Yeah. And why why is that? What what are the I mean, I know that it's an insane administration for and being from Canada, you know, we watch it like it's a reality TV show. So to do be totally we. Honest. What what is it about? What is it about what's going on that that well, gives you that that? Fear? Mike Pence has a very long history of hating gay people and hating HIV positive <clears throat> people. One thing, and I could go into a lot about him, but they've floated around. They've casually made jokes about quarantining people with HIV in this country. Well, people, mm. I don't know who exactly, but it was someone connected with them, a Republican, of course, the party without empathy. Um, it took so long for me to verify a source, and I'm still a little unclear on it, but I think it's true. I read somewhere that the Trump administration took money from the Ryan White program, which is what pays for um, doctor visits and medications for people with HIV, in order to detain more immigrant children. So he stole... They, Jesus Christ. So I've heard, I don't really know if it's true, <clears throat> it wouldn't surprise me with these people, I think it probably mm-hmm. is, that they actually took money from people that need medication so they can kidnap more kids. Mm-hmm. I think this is very fitting right now for this moment, considering that we are, um, I don't know, probably like 30 minutes away from Compton right now. Just when I thought it wouldn't get no sick. Woke up one morning and heard this weird-ass motherfucker talking out the side of his neck. Me and all my peoples, we always thought he was straight. Influential motherfucker when it came to the business. But now, since we know how you really feel... It's how we feel. Fuck Donald Trump. Fuck Donald Trump. Yes. Yeah, nigga, fuck Donald Trump. Oh, oh, okay. Hilarious. It's actually the song Bridie and I walked down the aisle to. Uh, yeah, that's very romantic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, fuck Donald Trump, man. Honestly, though. Seriously. Like that, like hearing that, that is, that's one of the wildest things. People don't think about that. They think about 
other important social issues, mm. like immediately when homosexuality mm-hmm. is mentioned in Donald Trump, people think same-sex marriage. Yeah, right. Yes, but it runs so much deeper. It, it runs so much deeper. There are people in situations like I'm in with having HIV. Um, yeah, it's there's a lot of layers there. It's not mm-hmm. just same-sex marriage, even though obviously I believe everyone should be able to get married. <laughs> it's a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. It's just like I mean that that concept, especially I think to Canadians, because it's been it's it. I don't think I think in our lifetime it's always been legal. No, 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 it hasn't. But no? but it's been a while. It's been it's been yeah. a, it's been a good chunk of time. That like we, that that concept of of whether that of of that being even up for debate is like it's it's fascinating. Yeah. And I don't think there should ever be a time when the majority is able to vote on the rights of the minority. It's mm. yeah. It's I. I, I that's just, the craziest thing. That's a really that's a really that's the first time I've ever heard anybody say it like that. But I think that that's a really important and powerful statement. Like, yeah. why let the majority of people decide what a small portion of of those people should live like? That doesn't even affect them, right? Yeah, that's crazy. You know what? In in Canada, it's interesting because <laughs> when um, in Canada, it just seems like everybody accepts that. You know, people can love who they want. They can marry who they want. It, you never walk around and, and question whether or not a fellow Canadian, for the most part, would ever. I mean, they, although well, they, they, there's there's people, not they, everyone, but but like, but generally, like, you could have an open conversation with a room full of people and not expect compa- to get. Yeah, if you to, compare, you know, a, a group of people in a room that were just like plucked from Canada and dropped in there versus a room that was like. Just plucked up from the United States, and yeah. depending on where and, you and, plucked them from. You know, not to not to not to harp on politics and Trump, uh, but like his 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 success in politics, it ripples, and we feel that in Canada. And there are people, Absolutely. there are politicians in Canada yeah, that are so. trying to r- ride those. Coattails. Look at the fucking Ford administration. Um, yeah, you know, the, like we're seeing the. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. We're seeing the rise of far right dictator wannabes all over the world. Yeah, that's true. And Russia has been involved with not just influencing elections, but influencing our perception and our thinking. Hillary Clinton, for example, was not an evil supervillain in this country three years ago. Mm -hmm. She is now. Yeah, very much so. And that's that's have you been listening to the Daily? I haven't. Uh, It's a it's a New York Times podcast. They they put it out every single. Day every weekday. Oh, that's yeah, appropriately named the daily. Yeah. And uh, it's like 20, 20 minutes, pretty digestible. And it's it's a, basically a news podcast. Sorry, did but you say New York Times? New York Times, fake yeah. news. <laughs> it's anything a, that disagrees with him, fake news. It's, it's a, a tiny media company. It's, it's going under. Yeah, it's a news podcast that basically they, they're telling the news, but they tell it from a. It's it's such a beautifully produced podcast because they. They sort of tell the news not in the not in the typical way that they're tell, that you would you would usually take that in. They tell it more from like a fabricated point. Yeah, no, like no, they create, no. Yeah. They, t- they tell it from like a this American lifestyle type podcast. Okay. Yeah, you know, like it's yeah, very well produced and and it's a lot of storytelling. Um, but man, when they cover that stuff about Russia and and Russia's involvement in in U.S. politics, like it it is. It is some shit out of a fucking futuristic dystopian novel. Let me warn you, it's though. Really wild. It is not just the United States. Oh, it's all over. Yeah. Do you the election that they had in France a year or two ago? Remember their presidential election? Thank God oh, the yeah. right person won. Yeah. 
I, be- I believe this was also a New York Times article. <laughs> so probably fake news. <laughs> yeah. But Watch it, those New York Times articles. <laughs> it came out that Russia was also trying to affect the results of their election and they mm. were prepared for it. We were not, unfortunately, yeah. but thankfully it, they were able to stop it. That was a very similar, that was a very similar, that the, the French election had a very similar uh, vibe to what was going on in the United States. It was like, that that the the victor was going was, the country would sway pretty drastically one way or the other depending on who won and the french election went the opposite direction that it seemed like the u.s direction but even US e- even went. germany uh in the last couple of years their election uh saw the rise of a far-right um potential uh a candidate and and um, that person got a strong uh, strong piece of the vote, even though it wasn't enough to like mm. be close to getting the like winning the actual um, office position. Like it, they it was significantly more than what it had been in the past. So I hear what you're saying. I, I do want to move on from this this piece and come back a little bit more to to your experience, yeah, of Derek. But I I am curious to go into more into the relationship side of things and. And your experience with with dating, but getting into like more long term relationships. How yeah. does how does the conversation that you have with somebody that you're um, interested in evolve as you go from just seeing them um, maybe for a more casual experience than like an actual long term relationship? Well, just me personally, I like to be upfront about it very soon, right? Because if I'm potentially going to develop feelings for someone, I need to know where they stand and how. They are with that mentally and, and emotionally. You, and you mentioned that you say that right away. Um, you, you kind of told us that earlier, but is there anything more that you really need to add to the conversation as it goes, or is it just like get it on the table right away and then it's get it on the table and then the questions will come up. Okay, it will be natural and organic after that. But I just like to. It's not like I'm saying it as soon as I meet someone. How, how do you yeah. find how do you find the education is in the gay community? Like when you're dating, do and you and you tell people about HIV. Do most of them understand what it means to live with HIV, or is it is it fairly um, um, polarizing in in the way that people understand it? That is a great question, and I think I mentioned earlier that I've seen the difference in just dating in LA from 2011 in contrast to the 2019. Um, when I first moved here, m- there were a lot of people that were okay with it, but I remember getting rejected many times mm. when I said that I was HIV positive by people that were just honestly irrationally scared of it. Because if the science says one thing, but you're afraid of it, it is irrational. Mm-hmm. And everyone's entitled to their feelings and they're on their own journey, but the science speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. Now, most people in the gay community anyway in LA don't have a problem with it. Ooh. Most are on prep, right? I was going to say, like, I'm sure that prep has probably helped to destigmatize the way that people look at HIV, even in the sense that, like, if they were worried about it before irrationally, but then they were on prep, then they would probably be a little bit more mm-hmm. like they would be more understanding. I think they're absolutely more understanding. Is prep I've, like a one-time pop? Like is it like a boop, you take the pill and then you're good, or is you it you do it daily? Okay, so, so it's it's, it's, it's like you are taking an HIV medication. Oh, wow. okay. So it's a con- you have to take it consistently, from what I understand. Right. Was it frustrating for you in sure. those you know in that 2010 2011 when people didn't seem like they 
they are how they are now and they and they were kind of letting the irrationality of their fears get the better of them was it was it frustrating to go through that it was and it was hurtful yeah now i'm in a completely different place and i understand that if that happens that person is not meant for me mm-hmm. it if someone is stuck in that sort of thinking and not comfortable with it we wouldn't work anyway and i yeah. accept that cuz you can't really start to go well but it's like this. And, and I won't like, do that. Yeah, because like, what's that going to do? And that's not... No, I, it's, not, it's not my job to educate people that don't want to hear the facts. Yeah. I am more than happy to talk about this and educate people if they have questions. But if they're not comfortable or if I feel that I have to say, but, but, I know immediately the moment that but is coming out of my mouth, like, just stop. Yeah, it's like it's they, they have their idea mm-hmm. and it's yeah. going to be a long arcing journey for them to come around to, yeah. to another way of thinking. Yeah, maybe, totally. maybe not pointless, but, but like, is it worth, is it worth the, the emotional and mental like effort for you in no. that time? You and, know, it's it's not, like, it's, and it's not going to change in the amount of time no, that, no, that, God, that, no. that, that would, that would allow a, mm-hmm. a relationship to form. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be. It's not going to be like give me a week and I'll and I'll come around to an idea. Yeah. It's a, that's going. That's a long. Right. That's a long journey of changing your thinking. Uh, yeah. Of the of the guys that you've been in long term relationships with, um, did they have HIV as well? Well, when I moved to LA, I met someone maybe two months after being here, and we hooked up. Like that's what the point of the meeting was. But after we hooked up. I never went home. Like I pretty much just moved in with him, and we were together for five years. Oh, that's yeah. a very that's a very lesbian of you. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> and before that, I hadn't really had, <laughs> I hadn't really had a serious relationship. <laughs> it is very lesbian. <laughs> Sorry, lesbians, don't be pissed off at me for saying that. I know many lesbians with healthy relationships. Just to say that, but. He was also, I told him, and he was also HIV positive. And, it, and he had found out somewhat recently too. So, so you were kind of in this in space this, together. Was that, a, was that something that, was, that, that strengthened the bond of your relationship? That understanding that you were kind of both in this similar space? It's interesting because it was actually both. It definitely strengthened the understanding and the compassion and just the struggles that we both had with having HIV. Mm-hmm. But I also found that bonding over mutual pain is not necessarily healthy for a relationship. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. So there's a balance with that for sure. Mm-hmm. Jerry, I'm, I'm kind of interested on in what you might think about that just from your like relationship point of view, like, or if you have any thoughts on, on like the, the mutual pain, <clears throat> like having, having commonalities in, in struggle. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's I think it's very unique to every every pair, every couple, you know. There's 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 that whole discussion and 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 the, I've never really been in that same scenario where I'm I'm I live with the same I actually can't be in that same scenario where I live with the same disease as as like a lover because we we can really harm each other. We're not allowed to be together. Yeah, it would kind of be, be like an ultimate um an ultimate love story. Well, we're going to go see a movie tonight. Uh, I was going to say, actually, this is a great up. Five Feet Apart, by, directed by Justin Baldoni, and it's about two CF patients who fall in love with each other. Oh, that's what the movie's about? Yeah. yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Well, this yeah. is going to be kind of a... Uh, it's going to be a fucking tearjerker. Yeah. 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 I bawled my, my face off watching the trailer. But, um, you know, there's... there's One of the things that that 
Bridie and myself have talked about, you know, a number of times is like the, the amount of energy that it takes to be a lover yet also to be a caretaker, you know, to, to be in a relationship with someone who is sick, um, and, and to, to have this, this sort of, I don't want to say burden, but to have this, um, to have this feeling of responsibility to be there as, as a, as a, as a lover, but also be there for that person as like a, a, a primary caretaker. That it, that's a lot. There's it's a, a lot. lot. There's a lot to take on there. And so take two fucking people that are that are similarly sick, and and drop them into a, a scenario where they're they're both they're each other's lover, but they're both each other's caretaker. But, I mean that, that yeah. that's a lot of that. There's but, a lot of it's a very complex web, and and I'm sure for some people that's that's like fuck. Thank God we have each other. But then I feel like there's other people I'm sure that are like, I this is so overwhelming. I need I need to like remove myself. But mm-hmm. Derek, like that wasn't really your experience though either, because I mean, like caretaker, I guess is a strong term to use for your situation, because I mean you're otherwise pretty healthy, right? I am, but I would say it was more so emotional caretaking. Yeah, you okay. still, yeah. There's still yeah. the emotional, and mental aspects of of the entire thing. I mean, you know, think about think about me, Bry. When was the last time you saw me really sick? October of last year, probably, or the year before. Yeah, it was a, it was a yeah. long time ago. It's yeah. like it's not it's not very common, you know. It's it's but it's it, intense. But it, it yeah. can be it can be yeah. intense. Intense mentally, it's 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 oftentimes intense, mm-hmm. you know. And there's also like there's also aspects of. Of your illness that like we just don't see because we don't wake up with Next you every to me. day, yeah, like, or sleep know, with me. Which at like night. it's 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 there's like a like with you, I find there's like a sl- there's been like a slow and gradual like increase in intensity since we've known each other. I mean, yeah. it's been quite a while now, almost a decade that we've been friends. So yeah. like, but you waking up next to you eight or nine years ago was different than it is waking up. Beside you today, yeah, yeah. You know, because, I, 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 I'm because I, we're sleeping I'm, in the same I'm, bed, yeah, and, and I'm aging really well, so I look much more handsome when I wake up. Yeah. Also, it's really I when I, the know, most annoying. The most annoying thing about you, Jerry, is like when you when you don't have pills when we're out eating, oh, and like, we have to like accommodate that. Like that's fucking yeah, annoying. Exactly. Yeah, Especially so. when you when I eat something that doesn't agree with my stomach, and I want some of your pills, but you don't have them. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> that's when you just go to the comedy show and raise your hand. Can I have some pills, please? Yeah, we were at a comedy <laughs> show last night. They were giving away household yeah. items. Comics were giving away household yeah. items, and then some of the giving away prescription cream. Yeah, prescription <clears throat> creams. Um, <laughs> uh, we're we're coming up to time here, but um, there's a question that that we tend to ask all of our guests, um, and it's a two parter. And it, the the first part of it is um, out of all of this all of this experience of living with HIV. Um, what would you say is the biggest thing that it's taken away from you? If it's hard to answer, I guess not that much because it was hard for me to think of an answer, but I guess it's just limited, sort of limited the dating, Mm -hmm. sexual, but even that, not really. Mm -hmm. Before that, God, I don't know. That's a tough one. Mm -hmm. It really... I'm going to the doctor regularly and taking medication and I'm healthy and it thankfully, at least as of right now, doesn't affect my life that much. Before you ask the last question, Jer, I wanted to ask you about um, yoga specifically. Yeah. Um, so you've, you, I guess I understand that you have a pretty regular practice of yoga. I do. And how long has it been since you got into that? Well, I 
first, I started doing yoga regularly, maybe around 2014. Okay. And what, what role has that played in your, um, your, your mental health? I can't imagine my life without yoga. And especially right now, I'm in this big um, consistency stride with going to class every day. Sometimes I'm going twice a day. I feel it drives me crazy if I can't go one day. Yeah, It helps me release so many emotional layers. So many, we think so many chaotic thoughts as human beings that we don't even realize. Most of the thoughts we think are not important and not real. Um, I personally believe this life is an illusion and what comes after is real. And yoga helps me remember that. Mm -hmm. What would you say is the biggest thing that this experience has given you? It's given me greater compassion and empathy for people, not only with illnesses, but it's hard being a human being. It's hard being in this world. And it's given me a greater understanding of other people's journeys and struggles. And yeah, I just try to try to understand everybody's on their, their own path mm-hmm. and love everyone as I would hope to be loved. Mm-hmm. I love that Amen message. To that. Well, <clears throat> I want to thank you for, for taking the time to come in here and, and talk to us. Uh, you know, three strangers uh, you about your, your experience with HIV, knowing that before you came in here, you know, there was a little bit of... There was a little bit of nerves about not yeah. diving into this very much. I was scared. And Joe told, when Joe Komar told me to speak, he said that I should probably connect with you and he thought we would connect well. Mm-hmm. And we did. So thank you. But yeah. I was very nervous because I haven't talked about this very much. But you've all made me feel very comfortable. Your questions were great. Um, thank you. Yeah. Really if you could just leave it. a rating or review on iTunes, for sure. And, 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 uh, and, Thanks for coming in and, and um, I hate the I hate the word like thanks for saying thanks for being brave but but um, thanks for coming and being vulnerable and 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 comfortable and sharing your story with us and mm. the people who are listening to this because um, one of the messages I've really been vibing on lately is is the fact that nobody's alone we're all connected and I think that when we share stories like this and things that scare us that's the thing that helps make people feel even even more connected and even more part of like the the global community. So, um, yeah, so. just thanks again. Thanks for mm-hmm. doing that. Thank you yeah. for allowing me to feel comfortable being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Uh, well, that's it for this week. Um, we'll be back next week with another fascinating episode. But in the meantime, if you want to support what we're up to, um, I was kind of joking there when I said it to Derek, but I, I really did mean it. And I hope he does it, just like I hope you do it. Uh, go over to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and leave a, a rating and a review. Hit that subscribe button. It, it helps us uh, stay on the I, iTunes charts. Actually, you know what's really interesting? It's like we've been killing it in Canada. In the, in the, people might not know this, but Apple Podcasts or, or Apple um, iTunes, they have different stores per region. So like the Canadian um, uh, like Apple podcast store, like where you go and subscribe or rate and review podcasts is separate from the American one. So if you're an American listener, <clears throat> um, we don't have, we have a footprint here, but it's not nearly as, uh, I mean, honestly, we, we basically, we could run for prime minister. I think next year we're doing so yeah. well in Canada. Like a three, like an oligarch. Yeah. Type yeah. That's of, right. Yeah. Type yeah. of yeah. prime, yeah. Minister, prime no, minister. It's better. It's, it probably is better than having one individual. I think it probably leader, would be. I anyway. do think it would be. Yeah. Uh, but you know, in the, in the U S uh, the, we, we could use a little more of a boost. So if you are listening and you are in the U S and you haven't taken the time to 
go to mm-hmm. iTunes, uh, rate, subscribe, review. Um, that would be it. Would mean the world to us. And maybe with enough support, we could replace the Trump administration. It, we, <laughs> Yeah. I will vote for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and if you want to support us on uh, Patreon, you can do that. Yeah, go over to patreon.com slash sickboy. And, uh, you know, all y'all who have, who have contributed to our Patreon page, you are a big reason why we are able to come to L.A., have these conversations with Derek and all the people that we'll, that we'll meet and the work we do here. So thank you so much. If you want to, do, uh, if you want to be a part of that, you can go to patreon.com slash sickboy. Uh, yo, Donovan, thanks for queuing up the uh, the crowd sound, uh, the cheering crowd, because I want to feel like we're at our own campaign rally, uh, raising um, raising awareness about our, our, lock our 2020. Her up. Lock her up. <laughs> Whoa. Lock him up. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Well, yeah, so we're raising, uh, yeah, keep, keep it going, keep it going. We're raising uh, awareness for the 2020 campaign run. Um, uh, thanks so much to Donovan for the amazing sound design. Thank you to um, the band formerly known as Take Part in Florida Man. They got uh, a new name now, do they? <clears throat> yeah. What's yeah, their name? It's, uh, it's like Jerry's. Yeah, yeah. it's right. Jerry's. Yeah. We'll talk to we'll talk to Colin about <laughs> I, it. I did talk to Colin. He said, "Yeah, we're called Jerry's now." Okay, okay. So, interesting. Yeah. yeah, we'll 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 chat about it. Well, yeah. I, I said that's a horrible name. You should change. And then uh, we haven't talked. Since. Okay, so f- as of now, Jerry's. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> and then, that's that's uh, yeah. That is it for this week. <laughs> I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy. I'm Derek. And this is Sick Boy. Woo! For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.